At Our Father's House, our prayer is that you will be blessed and strengthened by the power of Jesus Christ. We would like to thank you for joining us today as we study God's Word. Now let's join Pastor Odie. Thank you that you're the God who was, who is, and is to come. Father, we speak that greater things are in store and greater things are coming. We declare and proclaim the supernatural, the miraculous, and souls. Somebody come into agreement that we're going to see a whole whole lot of souls saved. I'm speaking that God's going to start a revival through these that have been saved and stirred. I'm going to see a, a harvest. Amen. Somebody shout amen. Father, bless your word. We receive it in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 4. been teaching off and on for several months, I guess, uh, now on uh, uh, the contrasts between David and Saul, uh, David being symbolic and uh, just a, a type and shadow of the spirit of Christ and who he is, uh, and Saul, of course, our fleshly man that so often rises up, and we've continued here in Second Samuel chapter 4, and we're, we're going to pick that up tonight. Let's read. And when Saul's, when Saul's son, remember now the last time that we, we taught, Joab had killed Abner. And we see in verse 1 of chapter 4, and when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead... When Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands were feeble, and the Israelites were troubled. I'm going to stop right there just for a second. It's important to know Saul's son, of course, was Ish-bosheth. And when 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 Saul was slain and Abner, Elder Rice, which was Saul's general, he, he put Ishbosheth, Saul's son, in as king. Right? And then we saw that Abner later moved over to David. And then David's general or commander, if you will, Joab, uh, killed Abner because Abner had killed his brother. The Bible's an interesting book, isn't it? Here we see that when Ishbosheth got word that Abner was dead, it wrecked his world. There's so much in this chapter 
that we can glean from, and I don't want you to miss just what's right here in verse 1. Ishbosheth was a propped up, everybody say propped up. He was a propped up king. He was propped up by man. And when he got word that Abner was dead, the props came out from under him. It's important for you to know anything that props you up rather than God himself, when that thing dies, you lose heart. Oh, it's such an important word. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is I could give you a number of things if your hope is in anything less than Jesus Christ. It will fail you. Ishbosheth was appointed by man rather than appointed by God. So when man appoints rather than God appointing, when that thing dies, you lose heart. If your faith, if you're propped up by religion, or if you're propped up by a denomination, if you're propped up by a preacher or a sermon or a song or music, sooner or later, that thing kind of wears old. And it dies out. And it's, it's, no, long, it's no longer exciting. It's no longer fun. Come on. I saw, I, 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 I really, this, this may be a poor illustration, but I saw on the TV news uh, where there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this great uh, athlete that plays in the NFL, and you, you guys will know this, who this person is. He's a wide receiver for the uh, New York Giants, uh, a guy by the name of Odell that's your team, right? You know him very well. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., right? You guys know who I'm talking about? Don't get all religious on me now. You know, uh, and evidently he's not getting enough passes thrown his way. And I just saw the headline. I was walking through the hotel, and they had the TV on in the breakfast place, and had him up there, and had a bomb on the screen said, Odell... Beckham Jr. said he's not having fun anymore. And I'm like, you're making millions of dollars to play a game. If he had to get a real job, I'm sure it'd be, it would be fun again. Right? You know, uh, Elder Rice will understand this, but... Uh, and some of you other guys, I don't know who's been there and who hasn't, but, but I said, put him underground, shoveling conveyor in about 32-inch coal, 
He said, I don't care if you never throw me the ball. Just let me stand on the sidelines. Amen? I don't know. I, I, I've went too far with that. But the point I'm trying to make is we have to fall in love with Jesus. Because nothing else will keep you. Nothing else will keep you. If we don't have an intimate relationship with him, nothing else will hold you. You know, thank God for programs. Thank God, uh, Samantha, I so appreciate, you know, what you guys are doing with our kids. We got to have that stuff. It's important. Thank God for what we're doing with our kids, and we're, we're enhancing our children's ministries and, and the things that we're trying to do here at our Father's house. And we, you got to have programs. That, but at the end of the day, if we don't know Jesus, we won't make it. Right? Come on, somebody say Amen. So, spend a lot of time on that verse. But anyway, it's where his hope was. He was a propped up king, and when that died, um, he was put in by man. So when man died, he couldn't survive. Y'all with me? Let's go on. And Saul's son had two men that were captains of bands. The name of the one was Benah, and the name of the other were Chob, the sons of Remon, a Berite of the children of Benjamin. For Beroth also was reckoned to Benjamin. And when the Berites fled to Gatim, and were sojourners there until this day, and Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. And he remembers Jonathan, David's friend, Saul's son. He was killed in battle when Saul was killed. He had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. It came to pass that she made haste to flee that he fell. He became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Now, the scripture here doesn't talk a whole lot more about Meshibapheth. These Bible, these words, man. You guys can laugh. You're not having to pronounce them. I'm just, I just don't know why God just didn't, you know, why didn't he have people name their kids, you know, Joe and Randy and Scott and, James and Greg and Buddy and Tillman and David. We did have a David, right? It all makes sense. The one that we really want to be like is David. One you can pronounce. But we're going to, you'll, you'll see more about uh, Mephibosheth later in, the, in this book. Uh, but I do, want to make, I do want to make a point right now. It's very important. It's very important. I want you to see this. Uh, is it okay if we just, we're just teaching, the, teaching you the word? But I want you to see this. This, this kid was five years old, so David, David had been reigning now for about seven and a half years over uh, one tribe, right? Judah. So he was probably at this point about 12. And when they heard the news, his nurse took him up and fled, and he fell, 
and he was he was injured. I don't know if it messed up his hip or whatever, but he was lame. And don't overlook what I want to tell you. Sometimes people can be wounded by someone else. Something that someone else did. And they carry that for the rest of their lives. Are y'all with me? When we shouldn't... He was five years old, five, and we're going to talk more about him later, but the, num- the number five is what? The number of what? Come on, somebody say it. It's the number of grace. We can't let what other people do wound us to the point to where we lose fellowship with who we are in Him. Are, are y'all, you understand what I'm saying? He was wounded by, it was someone else's fault. But that happens in life, right? Somebody say amen. Okay, how many have ever had somebody do, no, you have to raise your hand, but I'm sure everyone would raise their hand. You know, someone's done something and it's just, it's hurt you and it's, it's wounded you. Amen? You know what? There's people that won't come to church today because they've been wounded by other people. I've seen people, good people stay out of church for years. Amen? Are you all with me? If you are, say amen. And the sons of Rimmon, these two guys, Ray and Ba, ain't even going to try it. They went and came about the heat of the day to the house. The house I told you a long time ago, we're just going to call him Ish. The house of Ish. This was king. He was laying on a bed at noon. They came into the midst of the house as they would have fetched wheat, and they, they smote him under the fifth rib, and they escaped. When they came into the house, he was laying on his bed in his bedchamber, and they smote him and slew him and beheaded him and took his head and got them away through the plain all night. The Bible's just real plain here. Can you imagine, you know, they brought the head of Ish to David, And said to the king, Behold the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy. Everybody say thine enemy. Which sought thy life, and the Lord has avenged my Lord the king this day of Saul and of his seed. And David answered these two guys and said unto them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of all, ad- all adversity, he said, when one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking that brought good tidings, I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would have given him a reward for his tidings. There's a word, really a strong word here. I'm going to speak it to you. It's, How much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house upon his bed, shall I not therefore now require his blood of your hand and take you away from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they slew them, they cut off their hands and their feet, and they hanged them up over the pool in Hebron, but they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the sepulcher of Abner in Hebron. Now, first of all, 
there's, there's, there's a couple of real important part, uh, points I want to share with you here. One is, in these times, in ancient times, when one kingship, when the kingship was passed from one to the other, and not really not, Randy, in some areas, not so far back. You know, when the one king took over in certain uh, regions like what we're talking about, Randy, the, 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 uh, every family member of the former king was, was, was slain. Right, Brian? And so everybody's saying, okay, David wants to kill everybody in the house of Saul. But if you remember, David, David had made a promise to Saul. Saul said, when you, come to the, when you come to the kingship, spare my family, right? Uh, don't, don't kill my family members. So when they brought word, to, they'd already brought word to, to David that Saul was dead. And remember what David did? David wrote a song, Right? He wrote a song. So these guys thought, see, see, these guys thought if we bring the head of Ishbosheth to David, he's going to reward us because we have killed the king and now he's going to be, he's going to take over as king. But on the contrary, David wasn't happy about the fact that they had killed the king. Now I want you to, I want you to see something. It's very important. This, this is a very important word. Let's, somebody, somebody pray right now. Let's pray right now. We'll get this work. Father, we just ask right now that you'd speak. Somebody pray that prayer. Say, speak to me. Father, speak to me, your servant tonight. Let us receive of your word right now as it's spoken in the spirit. Let us receive what you are going to speak to us in Jesus' name. All right. Back up to verse 8. They brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David and said to the king, Behold the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy. Everybody say thine enemy. It's important, Greg, it's important for us to, to, to see and to know that Saul was not David's enemy. David was Saul's enemy. But Saul was not David's enemy. You better know your enemy. And your enemy is not that person that's sitting next to you. Your enemy is not the church down the road or up the road. Now, David knew something about enemies. When he killed Goliath, what did he do? He cut off his head. So he, he knew how to get ahead. Right? He cut off the head of his, of his enemy, but Tillman, he never saw, he never saw Saul as his enemy. So what we had here, and Ryan, you, you should, I know you, you, this, this should be resonating with you and your history and your background, but what we have here is a case of friendly fire. David had no intentions of killing Ishbosheth. David was not going to take the kingship. He was waiting for the kingship 
God, had, he was waiting for it to come to him. He was waiting for his time, and his time was coming, but he was not going to go against God's will. God had appointed Saul. This was Saul's successor because he was Saul's son. You see what I'm saying? You got to get that. Too often things happen in life, and we, we, accuse, we accuse people, whether it's in a marriage relationship or it's whatever, it's people you work with or people you go to church with, and we look at them as the enemy, but the fact of the matter is the real enemy is Satan himself working through situations to try to pull you down. Are y'all with me? So David never saw Saul as his enemy. He honored Saul. He had, he had an opportunity twice to kill him. He spared his life. My Lord, the king. Right? He wept, Karen. He wrote a song. He's, oh, you got to get this. All right, how, how, many, how many feels like that that, 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 that David knew that Saul had some bad points. David knew that Saul had some negative points, right? But yet he still wrote a song about his good points. He could have wrote a verse about the fact that Saul threw a spear at him. He never mentioned that. He never mentioned that he kicked him out of the palace. He never, he never mentioned that he took away his wife. He never mentioned he, he kicked him out of the palace. He never mentioned that he took away his job. He never mentioned that he had to flee. He never mentioned that he wrote a song about the good things about Saul. David knew his enemy. And man, when he, when he went after his enemy, he killed him, right? Philistines, the flesh. Amen? Somebody say amen. So it's easy, it's easy to, 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 to love those that love you. Such an example of Christ. Go to Matthew chapter 5. How long have we been teaching? Go to Matthew chapter 5. I will tell you, just before we read from Matthew chapter 5, that I was very tempted to skip 2 Samuel chapter 4 and go to 2 Samuel chapter 5 because 2 Samuel chapter 5 talks about David's triumph. It talks about the God of breakthrough. It talks about how David is made king now over all 12 tribes. It talks about the glorious part of what's now happening in David's life. And I was like, man, I want to I skip chapter 4 and just go to chapter 5 and, and, uh, and talk about, you know, the God of breakthrough. And he uh, knows, knows in chapter 5 it's where, you know, the mulberry trees and it's the angels walking through the trees. And when you hear that, it's go. 
And God gave David victory because he listened to the voice of the Lord. But let me tell you this. You're not going to get to the God of the breakthrough unless you know who your real enemy is. Right? Come on, somebody say amen. Y'all receiving the word tonight? Amen? All right, Matthew chapter 5. But we will get to 2 Samuel chapter 5. I don't know if I can read this or not. Maybe. Yeah, it's there. It's right in that place in the middle. And some pages are, my pages are torn there. Okay, Matthew chapter, we've got it up here anyway. Matthew 5. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's very important scripture. Let's start with verse 43. I mean, Jesus was always raising the bar. Look at verse 43 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, you, you, have heard, you, you have heard that it has been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I, everybody say I. I have that circled in my, in my Bible. But I say unto you, love your enemies... Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Somebody say, all the same. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? They're not even the publicans the same. Some might say that's easy. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others do not even the publicans so? Verse 48, he said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is heaven is perfect. And you've heard me teach before, that word perfect there in the Greek actually means mature. So what Jesus is saying here in verse 45, you may be children, you may be sons, if you will do what Jesus said, this is a Sermon on the Mount. This is Christ's teaching Sermon on the Mount. If you'll do what Christ said here in Matthew chapter 5, then you're going to become mature Christians. Amen? You're going to grow up. Somebody say grow up. Look at, look at the person next to you and say grow up. Greg, you enjoyed that way too much. Amen? Somebody say, Lord, help us to grow up. And I'm, 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 I'm trying to teach us something that will help us. Amen? We're just teaching the Word. But uh, what's the Scripture say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places, against rulers of darkness in the world. Amen? That's... You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know your enemy. You know what? Not only that, you gotta know what his plans are. Come on, amen. You know his strategies. You are a step ahead of him. You know, you recognize and see. Come on, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm teaching to myself tonight. Sometimes we don't recognize the strategies and the tactics and his plans and what he's trying to do and and how we allow him. Amen. I said we. Somebody say we. Somebody say. 
Somebody say me. Say, this is me. Amen. This is not, you know, oftentimes when we teach this stuff and when we, when we preach this stuff, we're thinking about somebody else. Maybe sometimes we're thinking about somebody else that's not here. But we need to think about me. You need to worry about me. You get, you know, look at the one that's in the mirror. That's the one we have to, that's the one we have to take care of, right? Come on, somebody shout amen. Y'all receive the teaching tonight. So, if we will know our enemy, we will defeat our enemy. And every, okay, and, and, I, and I'll wrap it up here, Elder, but, but if every one of us realize who our enemy is, and I promise you, we all have the same enemy. He just operates in different ways against different people. Your struggle may not be my struggle and vice versa. But it's the same enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. It's all he wants to do. One way or another. But if all of us realize that we're battling the same enemy and we come together in unity as a body of believers. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to indicate that that's not the case. I'm just reinforcing that. Amen. I know Scott and his, they're sitting here and I won't, wow, this church is, no, it's not the case. I'm just saying you know, we, this is, we have to realize who our enemy is. It's not the Baptist church. I want to tell you, it's not even the Catholic church. The problem is, too, oftentimes people spend, David, they spend all of their energies and all their efforts fighting something that's not even their enemy, and the enemy's sitting back laughing all the time because you're not focusing on who the true enemy is. Amen. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to ourfathershouseky.org.